chapter 1. Colossians, I want this there. Colossians chapter 1. Uh, verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you to fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The word fulfill there literally means to bring to completion, to complete. Uh, that fits with 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul was talking about the gifts of tongues and, and, and all of the same gifts that are going to cease and that which is perfect is come, and that has nothing to do with the Lord Jesus, then it would say who is perfect. Uh, the word there is that. It's a new word. It's something, not someone. When that which is perfect, complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Uh, that which was done in part was a gift of prophecy and, uh, and uh, knowledge. All had to do with the word of God. And they would stand up in Galatia or in Ephesus or Philippi or any place where they would stand to speak. They didn't have the word of God and say, all right, like I just did, turn to Colossians 1.25. In order for the word of God to go forth, there had to be a witness that it was, that whoever was speaking uh, was true. There would be the gift of tongues. There would be the gift of knowledge. There would be the gift of, of uh, prophecy, the teaching. All that went together so they knew what was being delivered was the Word of God. But when that which is perfect, complete, is come, then all, all that's going to be done away with. Tongues are going to cease. Gift of knowledge is going to cease. As a matter of fact, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy where it talks about what we're to do to show ourselves approved. Study to show thyself approved. They didn't need to study during that period of time because they had that gift and, they, and so they were able to get up and stand and, and bring the, the word of God uh, that was during that time Paul was saying that he was given to him in order to fulfill bring to completion the word of God 2 Timothy is his last book because what was he really have happened to him. He's already been executed. He's about to be martyred. About to be executed. Yeah. Speak loud. That word complete means to stuff a net full. And that's wow. This is a stuff full of wonderful, wonderful truth. So Paul took us back to the fisherman. Stuff it full. So Paul writes. 2 Timothy from a Roman prison. He's been arrested the second time. 1 Timothy, he writes from Macedonia. He's out of jail. He <coughs> perhaps even goes to Spain in between getting out of first, just like that. Out of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, more than likely he goes to Spain, perhaps. Uh, he talks about going to Spain. But we know this, while he's out, the word of God goes forth. He is arrested. Why is he arrested? What, what has happened uh, during this time? Rome is burned. We talked about that last week. Rome is burned. 
down to the ground. Nero does it, but who gets the blame? Christians. Christians get blamed for burning Rome down while Nero fit. Uh, who would be the primary person to arrest and imprison for that dastardly deed if you're trying to find a scapegoat? Paul. With Paul, the, the apostle to the Gentiles. They had a bone to pick with them, didn't they? They, what? they had a bone to pick with them. Oh, oh absolutely. But see, that was during that time that the persecution of believers during Nero's time and other emperors after that. But it was Nero that his, his Martins, as we talked about, used human torches to light for their parties. Uh, it's during this time that they would throw uh, Christians to the lions, uh, the gladiators. All of that was, was going on, that type of persecution. And it's, that's important to understand. This, this is the history, this is the setting of Paul's letter to, this last letter to Timothy, and it's during this time that he says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Uh, there was reason to be fearful with all that persecution. Uh, later on, he's going to say, all those of Asia have departed me. He did say they departed the Lord. But I think for two reasons. Number one, I think the word of God, the grace message was already being lost, that they were turning to the Judaizers, that seemed to be a much more popular mixing grace and and uh, law, sort of like today. If people, people, pure grace, people don't like. They need, but they don't like. But they like to mix in a whole bunch of law, so they're doing something, so they pat themselves on the back and go, okay, I felt the Lord about <coughs> Man just hates to accept the fact that our salvation is solely based on God's God's amazing grace. Uh, but I think the grace message was already lost. But also, Paul, I think from this, the whole contextual aspect of this book is uh, Paul was a lightning rod. Paul is in jail. He's ready to be offered up. Uh, he's living his last days. Uh, he even has a trial. Uh, and he talks about that, that uh, trial that he he faces and how that he uh, faced the old lion with, uh, look, look at verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 17. Talking about how all men forsook me, verse 16, how all men forsook me. And I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So I, I think that's talking about the answer. I think that's talking about the, the rulers, the rulers of, 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 of Rome during that time. Diana. Oh, it's in Greece. Macedonia is in Greece. Nope. No. Oh, that was bad. Paul is writing this from Rome in prison. Uh, he is encouraging Timothy to endure the hardships, and he also talks to him about future testing that's coming. And that future testing uh, includes us, the things that we're going to face. Perilous times are coming, and, and all of that's going to be going on. 
So verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. Folks, he, he is the only source of life. There's no other way of salvation except through Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's, that's absolutely correct. He is the resurrection and the life. What he told uh, Martha concerning Lazarus, he said, well, I know my brother will, will live again on that day. And what did Christ tell him? I am the resurrection and the life. It's exactly what he is. What's interesting about that first verse, nearly every one of Paul's books, he, near, he has to defend his apostleship. He has to defend his apostleship. All the way back to the church in Corinth. And he even told that church in Corinth, you are a sign of my apostleship. What I have done here, you are, you, you indicate, you are a sign of my apostleship. So all the way back then, they were starting. But he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Turn to 1 Timothy while she does it. Is it really? I am the apostle of the nations, your teacher, etc. is 30 times in just the epistles that he writes. 30 different times. Make sure they knew that he was the apostle, not to be the 12, not to take Judas's place, but he was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was the one apostle. Israel has how many apostles? Twelve. Twelve primary apostles. Uh, <coughs> how many apostles does the body of Christ have? Or name one. One. And that is the apostle Paul. But look at 1 Timothy 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, there he goes again, by the commandment of God. Now, I think it's interesting he starts to this letter by the commandment of God. I'm an apostle. Second Timothy is by the will of God. Now I'm I'm not saying that that's a, a huge distinction, <clears throat> but I think there's a reason the Holy Spirit, he could have said by the commandment of God here too. But I think it was, I think, I think it is significant in some fashion that one letter is by the commandment of God. Here it's by the will of God that he is an apostle, Diana. What's the difference between an apostle and a disciple? Uh, a disciple is a follower. An apostle is someone who has been ordained to God with a special message. Yeah, the apostles sort of 12 disciples, but they became apostles. Uh, they, God spoke through them specifically with a message. And they represent, the 12 represented the nation, the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. So, yes. Yeah. Apo, Apo, Stella, Apostle, Apo, Sent One. That's what they were. The Sent Ones. That's what Apostle were. They're Sent Ones. Disciples, servants. They're servants. Right. Uh, how much time passed between 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy? Do we know? 
not that many years. As much as I got in, when I had that written down, I think we talked about that. It wasn't that many. So it was only about a year or so. Yeah, yeah but, uh, it was no more than three. Okay. No more than three years. So I'm going to buy the little dog. Oh, here you the go. Promise of life, Here's the date for this. 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 Here's the he had a message that was given to him, and it all concerned the eternal life that we have in Christ. It, I think it's interesting, I mean, this whole thing's interesting, but look at Titus, and we'll look at Titus the next time. But look at Titus, chapter 1, verse 1, how he starts out each one of these. This is for Titus. Remember, we talked about the this the year before. Titus 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. <clears throat> now, when I read that, do you know what question comes to my mind? Let's read it again. In hope of eternal life, which, you know, Hebrews talks about that, that hope of eternal life, that's the anchor to our soul. I mean, we would be going crazy right now with all the stuff that's going on in the world if we didn't have heaven, eternal life, for the In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot hide. See, there's some things God can't do. One of them is right here. He can't buy promise hold eternal life which he promised before the world began. Who did he promise that? Before the world began? That's a good question. Who did he promise it to? Himself. Himself. And I to me, I just think that speaks volumes that, that hope of eternal life that hope of salvation is vested in Christ Jesus. Our eternal life is vested in Christ. The hope of eternal life, that promise of eternal life, that he promised before the foundation of the world, before the world began, he promised it to himself, that eternal life was going to be ours. And then back at 2 Timothy, that's what he's talking about. God's not a loser. No. He's not going to lose us. Oh, no. He created all us to lose them. God before us, who can be against us, right? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. That promise of life, he promised himself before the world began. I, I think that is a phenomenal truth that we shouldn't lose sight of. That God promised it to himself. Therefore, it is certain. It wasn't something he promised to Abraham. It wasn't something he promised to Moses. 
wasn't something he promised to anyone but himself as the fighting God. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. What's one thing that's significant about all of the Pauline epistles? How do they open up? What is the salutation in Paul's writing? Grace and peace. Grace and peace. And that's more than just a salutation. I, I'm firmly convinced that that's more than just saying, how do How's it going? It, the, the fact that Paul could offer grace and peace to Gentiles, to, to these Gentiles, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the way, who was rejected and crucified, who is in exile, basically, in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, grace, mercy, and peace. What, what is the opposite of, of grace? Condemnation. Uh, judgment, yeah. Condemnation. Judgment. Judgment. What is the opposite of peace? War. 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 And according to prophetic truth, on God's prophetic agenda, what was next for the nation of Israel? The tribulation. What is the tribulation all about? War and judgment. War and judgment. As a matter of fact, Revelation 19 talks about the Lord coming back to do war. In Matthew 10, what did Christ say? That he did not come to bring peace, but he came to do war. Bring the sword. But we need to understand that that tribulation period, what was next on Israel's prophetic agenda was the tribulation, which is God's judgment, his wrath being poured out, that seven-year period. Instead of God's wrath falling, what fell was God's grace. I, I am certain that Paul, when he was able to make that salutation, grace and peace to you. You check out every one of his epistles starts out that way. Peter starts out that way too. Grace and peace. Um, they would be the ones that would be shocked because they had already sold everything they had. They had become preparing for what? The tribulation. But they had nothing, had no money in Jerusalem because they'd sold everything they had. That's why Paul had to take a collection and take it down and give it to the poor saints who they, that were there. So when you read that salutation in every one of the Pauline epistles, don't just read it with, oh, he's just saying, hi, Tim, how are you? It, it's much more meaningful. It's much deeper. It has so much more power and truth to it. Grace and peace, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Now, what I think is interesting about that verse, Paul hasn't been saved since his forefathers. What that verse tells me is even when Paul, the chief of sinners, was breathing out slaughter 
when he was hauling believers, kingdom believers, away and turning them over to Sanhedrin, and they were being uh, martyred and butchered and all that other. Uh, he was doing it thinking he was serving God. But I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers. Look at that word there as parents, from my parents, with pure conscience. He knows he was doing it on God's behalf, in his mind, his heart. Do you know how that fulfills? Look at John 16. Look at John 16. Saul's righteousness in his own eyes, Paul's righteousness in Christ. God, that's exactly what I think of. Somebody write that down. Excellent. Uh, Saul was righteous in his own eyes. Paul was righteous in God's eyes. Did you guys catch that? Saul was righteous in his own eyes. Paul was righteous in Christ's eyes, in God's eyes. Amen. Yeah. Well, that's... And Tim said that. Yeah, he said no, that. he didn't. I just said that. Uh, and you can quote me. I meant to say it. Your nose is getting louder. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. That's all right. I'll give him a break. These things, verse 16, chapter 1. Chapter 16, verse 1. Here's the two. No, we're not doing it. Where are we at now? Where are we going? John 16. That you should not be offended, upset. Verse 2. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time comes that whosoever accuse you will think that he does God service. That, I think, is what Paul is talking about in that place. That those that were persecuting the believers, uh, those that were following Christ as the Messiah, they literally thought they were doing God a favor. And when you, when you look back to their history, what, what was Israel's history? We're going through this now on Sunday morning as we look at all these prophets and what are they prophesying? What are they telling Israel to stop doing? Worshiping false gods. What are the prophets telling Judah to bring to the Worshiping false gods. Uh, but they don't until what happens? They go into captivity. They're in captivity 70 years. They come back. Malachi is one of the prophets when they come back and he straightens, works to straighten them out. Malachi actually prophesies after the 70 year period after they're back. We'll be talking about that when we get to Malachi. But between Malachi and Matthew, how many years are there? 400. 400. 400 years between <coughs> Malachi and, and Matthew. And it Only is. Only a couple pages uh, in my book. It, it is during that time that they do not go back to worshiping false gods. There's never a time again where they go back and erect all of the groves and the 
and worship Baal. So when Matthew comes on the scene, they are pretty orthodox in their worship. So when Christ comes and claims to be the Son of God, their reaction is to reject. They go from one end of the spectrum, <clears throat> worshiping anything and everything, to, oh, no, 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 we're not, no, you can't be God. But they miss the forest for the trees. Yeah, right. So they, 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 exactly. He's a boy, Jim. And they they were not going to make that same mistake because they became very, very religious. But what did Christ tell them? Honor me with your lips. With your heart's heart on me. And that was the spirit. Their heart was just as wicked as it was back when they were worshiping Baal and sacrificing their children to Moloch. They, they were just as wicked. Uh, they just exchanged one uh, demonic system for another demonic system. Mm -hmm. So when the Messiah came, that was promised. And see, God is so faithful. God is so true. The thing that he did all the way through, oh, good. that promise. The one thing that, that all the way through is what the Messiah was going to do. What, what to expect from the Messiah King. If you see, because the Messiah was prophesied, they loved the Messiah, but the rain was going to leave, the eye was going to see, the death was going to hear, uh, the healings, the miracles. John, if the last chapter, John says that if all the miracles that Christ performed in three years of his life were written down, there would not be enough books in the world to put them on. Can I That speaking in tongues, that the people who were originally speaking in tongues, they could not go to the generation of idols, the hypocrites, and ask them what does the scripture mean. They had to have the Holy Spirit teaching them. The one thing they could have done is going back to the prophet, because Isaiah 28 says that with strange lips, I'm going to speak to you. So when that took place, they should have said, Wait, that's... Somebody turn to Isaiah 28. Look at Isaiah 28. For with stammering lips and another tongue, Isaiah 28, rather, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. Uh, when, when that was going on, they should have said, oh, this is the Messiah. And that was just one of many. But they weren't being taught, Pastor. They weren't, they weren't being oh, right. but they, they should have been. They had the thirst. They had the word. That's when Christ told Lazarus, I mean the rich man, when he said, go and tell my brother, uh, my, my brother, and he, and he said, they have the prophets, let them listen to them. Well, they won't believe they're not going to listen even somebody even from the dead. They had the word of God. They had the prophets. They had it. And they were all, what did they try to do? Use the word of God against Christ. Every, and he would turn the word of God back around. But they kept on tripping him up using 
Yeah, I was listening to uh, a bot the other day, and one of the preachers said that the vast majority of Jesus' signs and miracles occurred within like a five-mile radius. Is that true? Or... Israel's not very big, yeah. but the Nazareth and Capernaum, all the way down to Jerusalem, and might be. He said both, right? Yeah, he didn't say he didn't say all, just the right. vast majority. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think around Jerusalem, okay. you know, around, the thing is, remember, he went up to Nazareth and he healed, and they rejected him. In this Joseph son, this, and he said, "Prophets without honor." In his own country, so he he didn't do anything else there. So he was willing, but they rejected him, which is yeah. pretty difficult. So yeah, that, that I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But Israel is a pretty small five five miles goes quite a ways. Yeah, especially back then. Yeah, especially back then. Yeah. So okay, where were we? I thank God for my service, verse three. For myself, from my forefather, with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Uh, I think this gives us insight into Timothy. That I think he was sensitive. I think he loved God. I think he desired to serve God. I think he loved Paul, considered Paul his father in faith. Gift of God that is envied by the putting on my hands. 
It was Paul that ordained Timothy. It was Paul that laid hands on him. And speaking of that, we need to have another ordination service. John. Um, but Timothy was ordained. Can you imagine being ordained, set aside, separated from the ministry by the apostle? And that would be cool. I, I'd like to see what that said on his ordination certificate. Yeah. Uh, that would be worth something today. If, 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 uh, but anyway. Wherefore, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting out of my hands, you're going to need it. The days are evil. You're going to need it. Persecution is coming. You're going to need to endure hardship as a good soldier. There's going to be future testing. But look at verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Ain't scared. Ain't scared. What's the worst they can do to us? Kill us. Kill us. But it, you know, here, here's the bottom line on that. I've lived a good, long life. That's right. And there's nothing that would bring me greater joy seriously than to, get to, heaven to be able to serve God and without being able to come to give your life to Christ. That's, that's okay. Uh, hey, college, I've read all of Richard Warren's books, Torture for Christ, and I just thought, wow, man, that's, that's cool. Uh, don't, I, I, I wish we didn't live in those kind of things. But I'm ready, and it's my dream. That'd be the best thing they could do to yeah. us. Yeah. You know, the worst thing is they could just stick around and see. Oh, no, sure, absolutely. That's why I'm ready for the rapture, and then my grandkids will grow up, and, and well, so yeah, many that's others. That's why it's so important that tell our grandkids about, about salvation in Christ and that they understand that our, our days, our days are not I have a comment. Oh, comment then. I remember Uncle Tom's cabinet was literature. Uh -huh. Tom right. said the same thing. Don't get mad at Tom to read. He's doing me a favor. I'm afraid that I'm going to be 
boils down to uh, persecution or, or harm to the body. And I told her, don't worry about it. He'll, he'll give you the strength you need. Nothing. Look at Romans 8. This, this is for kids. Look at Romans 8. A dear night place and never tried to defeat And and Mark, he he went away from Barnabas and both was here. I think it's significant in the scripture <coughs> when Christ was telling the apostles to meet him, he said, Tell the apostles and Peter, including him, when Mark left them and Paul did not take Mark on the next missionary journey. Because at the end, he said, in great mark, he's profitable to me in ministry. Wow. So what, what does that tell us that God forgives? But, but for this is for care. What does verse 36 Well, so of verse 36. Who shall, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, our nakedness, our peril, our soul, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height nor death, now, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Yay! Yeah, it's better if I read it right out of the scriptures instead of just talking. Right. So, for power and love and the sound mind, and expect the Holy Spirit to provide us for that. When we are talking with people, when we're sharing with people, if we try to do it in our own intellect, if we try to do it with our own power, and I think we're gonna we're gonna blow it. I'm gonna preach I'm gonna preach on this one of these days. I'm not exactly sure what I'm gonna try to work it in. Uh, but I think it's I think it's critical here before long. I was reading an article by uh, a pastor that our pastor was talking about the article. I, don't, I can't remember who wrote it. But he breaks down the work of the church pro-church, pro neutral church, anti-church. And he goes back to uh, pro-church uh, back in my childhood. And he didn't go that far back. We're talking about recent memory. Uh, back in the 50s and the 60s, when you talk to someone about the Lord, they weren't hostile. There was a respect for the things of God. There was an acceptance. Maybe they didn't know Christ as their Savior, but there was still a healthy respect. Uh, and, then, and that was a time when uh, you know churches had different outreach ministries and they had different techniques that they, the, during the 60s I mean it was uh, 
there's so much going on from the Jesus people, Jesus movement. There was so much going on here at that, that time. Then there became the neutral, the 80s, really the 90s, just kind of a new and the things that were going on, what the church was doing then to try to generate people, and we had some of the secret friendly and all the different uh, mega church and the rock bands and all the stuff that was going on to draw people in. And AA saying that the doorknob can be your God. Huh? And AA saying the doorknob can be your God. Sure, all of that type of thing. So it was neutral. Today, it is anti. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely anti. Maybe not. When I go out and walk the streets of Harlem and see our neighbors and talk to them, it's still a healthy environment. Dogtown? And if you want to get a taste of what it's like, walk around this neighborhood. And the roller rink? Uh, and the roller rink. Any, any, anything that happens here. There is such an anti-Christianity today from East Coast to West Coast. And what the guy was doing is he was talking about what, the, what did the church do during the, the, the positive church time? What, what was the church doing then to, to, to grow? What did the church do during the neutral time in order to grow? Or what's the church going to do today during the end time? And that's where the concern is. And I don't think he ever had the answer. I don't think he ever came up with the answer. The answer is you keep preaching the word of God. And all of those things, all of those things, it, it, they said that here's what the church was doing in order to grow. The focus was on members. The focus was on large churches. The focus was on baptisms, according to this time. It was all on those type of things. And stuff like praying tongues. And that, yeah. that movement was big. All, all of that was going on. But what are we going to do today to combat the anti-Christianity? You stand on the word of God. Let it be God's problem. Let it be God's problem, not ours. For us, what we do, He finds it. We, he finds us faithful. Faithful doing what? Standing on His word. When the world scoffs and laughs at it, we stand on it. We believe it. Amen. 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 Any questions? Any comments? Janet had quite the experience yesterday, she and Tony, but they were up for the, the challenge. And there's some people at the roller rink. Just one guy. Just one guy. He was wanted to be seen as a little girl princess. Big frilly skirt, hot pink. Everything here in the boat. That's the type of guy that saw the Oh, yeah. But this was a 50 year old. 60 something, yeah, in the 60s, I'd say. And so Janet just went witness to it and had love and, and graciousness. I wasn't that nice. I was mad, but I spoke truth and love. But it made me mad that he was trying to bring that's, that's the direction the world's going, Greg. Yeah.
the majority of the world, you know the majority of the world now would, would say she did wrong? Against the law in Canada. Huh? That's why I thought it was against the law in Canada not to observe someone that way. Well, I'm just going to say that And that's why people are, so many people are against the church. It's because they, they think with their feelings right. instead of facts. I mean, if Joe Biden would say he's close to his five, Everybody, and they come up with all this crazy stuff. I'm like, 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 I